Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I apologize for any audio issues because we are, uh, well, I my, my microphone seems to have died on us, so we are doing this um, shotgun style now. Uh, but today we are going to talk about Urza's Saga. So before we get into that, though, uh, I do want to remind everyone that Dominaria United Story starts this week. How about that, everybody? Are you excited? Yeah, it starts two days after the release of this episode. So, like, it's starting and we're not going to talk about it for, like, three more weeks. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're not going to talk about it for a while. We have more background stuff to do. Um, We've got so much time, though. Honestly, I'm more excited that your mic issues were worse than my mic issues because I left my microphone at my boyfriend's place and so I'm on my gaming headset. So, uh, yeah, it could have been worse. I don't actually have a gaming headset anymore. Yeah. Some nerd you are. You're not even a real gamer then. Yeah, I know. I use, I just use these headphones, these generic Apple headphones. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Urza's saga, shall we? Uh, can we just spend about an hour just making jokes about Urza? Is that an acceptable way to use this time? N- uh, it is not. No, sorry. Uh, so. Okay, but hold that thought. Hold that thought, though, and uh, ask me that again when we get to Brothers War. <laughs> All right. Um, should we should we do like a background of like what's happened up to the like Brothers War, like what happened with the Brothers War? At least like a quick like note for people. Uh, I'm happy just yeah. to say that like the, the this like petulant pair of kids just opened up a portal to hell. Uh, because they couldn't decide which one got the shinier side of the rock. That was no. You know, no, it opened a portal to Phyrexia, which is not hell. That's a different plane. <laughs> it's the nine hells, Chris. Well, it oh, okay, so it opened a portal to hells, multiple. Hell, hell Excuse is me. a different location. <laughs> As indicated by Ethnic. So Urza's Saga was three sets. Uh, if you're newish to magic, uh, it was a block, which is a set of sets, of three sets, that were meant to be drafted together or shared similar themes and whatnot. Uh, It was a recap and a little bit of a retcon set uh, that covered basically Urza's history from the Brothers' War all the way up to um, just before the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, It interrupted the Weatherlight saga. So there was Wrath and Storm, uh, and we said there was this huge setup for this Phyrexian saga that was going on. And then we took a break from that for a year to talk about Urza, uh, because Urza was a surprise reveal at the end of the Weatherlight, uh, at the end of Wrath and Storm. Uh, and then we got back to the actual Weatherlight saga. Uh, so it was a little so bit of a detour. I, it's like not really a detour, though, because it's all additional backstory that goes into the Weatherlight saga. Um and I, I think it's more, I think it's more accurately described as a prequel than a detour. I mean, yes, it is technically a, a prequel. What I mean is, like, narratively, it's just kind of uh, basically, it is very clear that narrative teams were shifting around uh, because the Weatherlight suffered from the uh, Weatherlight Saga suffered from that a bit. So things things jumped back and forth a little bit. I heard I heard this was a block that they designed to actually come out after Antiquities, but then they lost it. 
and they found it years uh, later. Joke. <laughs> Spreading lies on the Vorthos cast. That's illegal. I have never lied about anything in my entire life. Oh, wow. So, the uh, the Brothers War... <laughs> the oh, Brothers really War... <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm just gonna quit I, i'm gonna quit this podcast right now and go go no. play with my children no okay um so the brothers war uh real quick the end of the story urza um sees his brother has been overtaken by the phyrexians he doesn't know what they are just yet um he ends up detonating the uh golgothian silex which creates this huge blast of destruction on teresier wipes out this island of argoth um, and his planeswalker spark ignites in the process. Planeswalker picks up about five years later from that. So Urza's learned a bit about what being a planeswalker is. Um, he met other planeswalkers, hung out in a gazebo planeswalker, and I'm not kidding, it was a planeswalker disguised as a gazebo, who then gets taken out by a giant fireball from the sky, and so he doesn't really like other planeswalkers all that much, because they're weird. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. Manitarka. So, the, um, during that time as well, Urza discovers the name for the evil that uh, destroyed his brother, and he learns its name is Phyrexia. Uh, but before he can do very much with that information, he gets locked out of Dominaria because of the Ice Age that he set off with the Silex Blast. Uh, so there's something called the Shard of Twelve Worlds, that it's like these twelve planes... And there's like a barrier that keeps planeswalkers from moving in or out of from the greater multiverse into the shard. Uh, meanwhile, Gix, who is this Phyrexian demon praetor guy, uh, by modern terms, he would be kind of like a Phyrexian praetor, only second really only to um, uh, to Yagmoth and maybe Yagmoth's council. But I don't remember too many details about y how Yagmoth's hierarchy works offhand. I mean, he's he's like the main big second-in-command type Phyrexian at the time. We don't really have a lot of big, important-named characters yet. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Uh, we know that Belzenlock was the Ebon Praetor, so mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. role he played in Phyrexia, I'm not sure. Super You get, helpful, a, you Chris, get a pass you. on that because that's Belzenlock's lie, so the lie is canon. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, that's pushing it. So Gix has not Gix attempted to take over Dominaria during the Brothers War and failed because Urza basically set off a nuke. Uh, he comes back though and he uses uncompleted uh, Phyrexian newts. A Phyrexian newt is like the baseline genetic stock for a Phyrexian. It's basically like a little genetically engineered person that they then, you know, attach machines into in horrific ways. Um, Basically, Gix's big plan is, oh, let's use some of these newts who don't have, like, giant obvious metal in them uh, in order to infiltrate Dominaria, and we'll take them down that way. Well, one of these uh, newts who was going to be a sleep, is one of these designated sleeper agents, uh, is designated Zancha. It's basically, Zancha is where this particular newt had to stand. Uh, when they gathered all the newts together for their training to to be sleeper agents. Well, Zancha shows signs of individuality because there is another newt uh, that she ends up becoming friends with. Almost, I don't know if it's romantic interest. She doesn't quite understand what that is at this point anyway. Um, 
but she's deemed defective because of this individualism, uh, and she is sent on dangerous salvage missions, uh, basically with the intent that she's going to die on one of these. However, she ends up being really good at them, so she survives a very long time. Because newts are genetically engineered, they can live a very, very long time. Uh, the rest of her sleeper agents are sent to Dominaria, and they're killed because good old xenophobia. <laughs> so basically, they all look like um, kind of, uh, they all look like these weird homogenous adolescents. Um, and so when they all like in mass came walking into a town, everyone is like, what the hell is going on? This is children of the corn crap <laughs> and murdered oh, them all. Bi- bi- big time uncanny valley mannequin people type vibes. Yes. So Zancha ends up using that to, to pass herself off as like an adolescent uh, most of the time. But yeah, uh, Urza comes across Zancha on one of these, uh, on one of her salvage missions with her Phyrexian handlers who are just kind of watching her to make sure she doesn't try and escape or anything, and uh, decides that she is a human who has been kidnapped by Phyrexians and rescues her. Uh, Zancha tries to convince him otherwise, but he doesn't believe her because he's, Urza is not entirely mentally stable at this point in time. You know, he did send off a nuke that killed his son, uh, his brother, uh, everything he knew and loved, more or less. He was straight up having a bad time at the end of the Brothers' War, and uh, I I don't think discovering that there's this entire multiverse out there is gonna help with that. Yeah, I just I just think it's bold of you to assume that Urza loved anything. No, Urza. There's <laughs> a lot of things we can say about Urza. Uh, I mean, did he show that he loved these things in his own mm-hmm. way? Maybe, possibly. But, um, you know, he did care about things. He, that, that doesn't mean he also isn't a monster in other areas. But in any case... <laughs> I'm sorry, Ur- Urza, Urza would be uh, like, Of course I love my son. I criticize him daily to make him a better <laughs> man. And then Caleb from the other room is like, Urza, he's sex! So he's like the Star Wars fandom. Oh, God. Ur- Urza's like, by six years old, I was already rebuilding Ornithopters. That's not true. That happened when he was, like, 15. Um, <clears throat> so, in any case, Urza travels with Zancha for a while, and Urza eventually decides, you know what? I don't like these Frexians. Zancha can lead me to Frexia's home plane, and I'm just going to destroy them. Uh, so, he but learns where great. Phyrexia is. Zancha, he leaves Zancha behind, and he, with this massive dragon engine with, like, six legs, he's, like, he's really blinged out this dragon engine. He lays waste to Phyrexia uh, from sphere to sphere, like, just destroying, wrecking the place. Meanwhile, Zancha had stolen a uh, Phyrexian uh, planar portal, which could actually, at the time, like, roll up. So she had just hidden it. She unrolled it. Um, put in the coordinates like a stargate to uh, Phyrexia and sneaks in to steal back her heartstone. So it's just like the portable hole from Roger Rabbit? Basically, yes. Yeah. Uh huh. You mean a portable hole from the game Magic the Gathering? Not that. You one. mean that from one. the game <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons? That one. I mean from the game Magic the Gathering Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. I'd never heard of that set. A heartstone. <laughs> is uh 
It's oh, a power stone that was implanted in a living being and it drains away their soul and it contains their soul inside here. And Phyrexia uh, and Yagmoth use this to control any of the Phyrexians that still had any kind of uh, ambition because basically he could, they could just destroy their heartstone and end them. Uh, so Zancha steals that back because obviously she wants to have her soul with her. Uh, and Urza's assault ultimately fails. I think he makes it like four or five uh, spheres in uh, before he's finally overwhelmed. He wrecks the place, though. Um, and they end up recovering on a plane called Moag, uh, which is this idyllic farming world. It's happy summertime on Moag. Happy summertime plane. And Urza comes and he's like, there are these giant, fr- these are monster machine things that we have to rally to fight. And they're all like, but I've got the harvest coming in. They, they don't want to fight with him. He can't rally an army on Moak. Um, so no one believes him. Uh, and then when the Frexians do come, uh, they are basically just there for uh, Urza and Zancha. And they end up chasing them from plane to plane through their planar portals. Um, you know, they eventually catch up one way or another. Uh, finally, at one point, Zencha is knocked out in one of their battles before Urza can escape. And she wakes up in Sarah's realm. Uh, <clears throat> now, mind you, this is all taking place during the Ice Age on Dominaria. So this is, you know, like a, a thousand or two years into the Ice Age at this point. Uh, Sarah heals Zancha, but doesn't let her roam free because this is her idyllic world, uh, idyllic plane of pure white mana. And Zancha is, uh, black aligned. And that is bad for the, you know, equilibrium that Sarah has set up on the plane. So she doesn't really want her there. She's worried about how the Phyrexians, uh, might follow them to the plane. Urza tries to enlist her help and Sarah goes back and forth, but ultimately kicks them out. Uh, the two of them travel to like the far, as much as it can be said, there's a far edge of the multiverse. They travel to a very old plane called Equilor. Um, and there they meet a family uh, that are all basically at planeswalker level powers. They're just, you know, like normal people who live there, but this plane is so ancient, the people are all like gods themselves. Uh, and after a while, they tell them that you know, you can go back home. Dominaria isn't actually lost to you. Uh, and the Ice Age is over. Like, the the shard has fallen. Um, and you can just go home. And so Urza and Zancha make the long journey uh, back to Dominaria. And he ends up taking up in this little cabin in the northwest of Teresier, um, in a place called Efwin Pinkar, I believe. Uh, but once there... Urza's grasp on sanity or on his uh, I don't know the best way to put this without potentially being ableist because the way fantasy does this stuff basically he's not having a good time um, <laughs> he, he becomes he's filled with bad vibes yeah, uh, Urza becomes obsessed with time travel basically to undo his mistakes to bring his brother back and stop Phyrexia uh, and Zancha realizes the only way to get through to him is to trick him basically and she goes out to find someone who looks like the pictures of Mishra in her book, The Antiquity Wars, which was written by <laughs> Urza's wife. Uh, and there are illustrations in there. Uh, so she finds a boy named Ratape who um, looks, looks uh, enough like Mishra to pass. Uh, but while she's doing this, she also discovers that a civil war that's brewing in this country 
may have to do with sleeper agents. Like, um, she starts to smell the glistening oil. This is something that Phyrexians at the time are often able to do, is they can, like, smell the glistening oil on each other and uh, know who's, like, a Phyrexian. Well, yeah, they just sniff each other's butts like dogs. <laughs> so, uh, with this knowledge, uh, she goes back to uh, Urza and ends up, like, shaking him out of things. It's never clear if Urza fully understands that Ratape is not Mishra until later. Um, but during all this, uh, Ratape and Zancha go do this kind of um, enemies to lovers thing. Like, basically, Zancha buys him because he's been enslaved by this awful uh, faction. And she's like, I will free you. You can go free as long as you, you know, play your role in this. Um, and yeah. Uh, once Urza learns about these sleeper agents, he builds these sonic devices to kill them that'll interact with their glistening oil that I guess Phyrexia fixes that loophole in the future. It's never really explored upon again. Um, <clears throat> but while planting them, Zancha discovers that not only are there sleeper agents, but Gix himself is leading this secret invasion. Uh, so she escapes. The plan works. Uh, Zancha has this bubble thing uh, that Urza gave her. Basically, it's an artifact that she swallowed that covers her whole body in this like impenetrable magical aura um, that she can also turn into like this bubble that lets her fly really slowly. It's um, it's very entertaining. It was it was really important that Zancha didn't die from that because they really needed to keep her around for a long time. Yeah, so they immediately kill Zancha off right afterwards. Uh, so Gix, um, when he realizes what Urza's doing, uh, pretends to escape again through the portal to Phyrexia, um, and instead lies in wait for an ambush. So when Urza, Zancha, and Radipe, uh, show up, um, he's there and he's ambushing them and he's actually overpowering Urza. He's like massively powerful. He's, you know, like 10,000 years old or something at this point. Oh, 9,000, 8,000 years old at this point. What's Ancient, powerful Phyrexian. <laughs> once, once you pass like 5,000 years old, you don't even mark the birthdays anymore. It's like, whatever. <laughs> uh, and he uses like this, he's got like this gem that's like ma manipulating time itself, like, is part of how he's defeating Urza. It's not really clear what's happening with this gem or what's going on with it, uh, except for its use in the very beginning of the next book. It, it's never really explained where this came from or why Phyrexia doesn't have more of them or use them. So just ignore it's it. It's not important. Uh, so Zancha and Rat end up uh, sacrificing themselves to buy Urza the time he needs to defeat Gix. And Gix is finally defeated once and for all uh, at the end of this book. Uh, Urza has regained his grasp on reality um, and is ready to start uh, planning for the war against Phyrexia in, in truth. And he does that in the novel Time Streams. Oh, I should mention real quick. So Planeswalker takes place between like, so the Brothers War ends around 64 AR and then the, uh, the ending of Planeswalker, all the stuff with the sleeper agents and Gix, takes place around 3,210 AR. So it takes place over like 3,100 years of history. It's, it's probably the broadest swath of um, magic history. Uh, 
And we mentioned during the Ice Age, there's this big, like, empty. And even during the Planeswalker books, they'll just skip, you know, casually skip a millennia, right? <laughs> um, but then we get into time streams. Time streams has a much less ambitious time frame. It goes from uh, 3307. Uh, hold, hold on, hold on. You, you can't say that about the novel where they literally break time. It has an extremely ambitious time thing <laughs> happening, actually. So this one only takes place over the course of like 53 years. It's like 3307, which is when the Talarian Academy is founded, uh, to 3306, which, well, when we get to the ending, that's when, uh, 3360, which is when we get to the ending that happens. It, it takes place over like 60 years, depending on who you ask. For some people, okay. it's much less. For other people, it's much more. <laughs> okay, that is entirely fair, and we'll explain why. So Urza meets up with a wizard named Baron, uh, a master wizard named Baron from the Ice Age, and they found the Talarian Academy. Now, the purpose of this academy is to, uh, basically, Urza's decided all-out war against Phyrexia isn't going to work. He needs to wage a cold war, build up in the army that he realized he needed, um, and build up allies, literally groom allies. There's no better way to, to, to put that when he's bringing these children in for an education. And, he's and then he's also like, oh, yeah, and you're also now child soldiers in the eternal war against the machine house. Yeah, yeah, he, 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 builds, he builds a school for, a child, for genius child soldiers. Uh, like, there's no sugarcoating. That's just what he does. You would think the worst thing he ever did was drop a nuke, but it turns out he's done even worse things. Oh, wait till we get to the next book. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't want to. Two of his star students are Teferi, uh, a young prankster from Zalfir, and Joira, uh, a young prodigy from uh, the volcanic nation of Shiv. Uh, he's one of the Gitu, one of the people that out there. Uh, so... We start in this uh, novel with Urza building a... He has built a time machine using that gem from Gix, and he decides, uh, well, his probes aren't intelligent enough to interact with the world. So he builds Karn as a probe uh, for his time machine. He builds him out of silver because he realizes silver is the most resistant material to the rigors of time travel. And because he needs it to be uh, more intelligent and thinking than the average artifact creature, he gives it Zancha's Heartstone. So he gifts it like sentience and feeling and emotion, and then immediately neglects him and hands him off to like a 16 year old girl, <laughs> which is Joyra, uh, who is his very first and best friend. Uh, he also meets Teferi, uh, who horribly bullies him. Um, Teferi is like, Artie Shovelhead! <laughs> Imagine walking into the nursery of a delivery ward and just like bullying the crap out of infants. And that's what Teferi does here. Because I mean, Karn... I don't need to ima imagine this. This is, this is just my average Tuesday night. Those kids are <laughs> pushovers. Uh, they can't even sling insults back. I've just dumbfounded every single one. They don't say a damn thing to me. I win every argument, like, and all they do impressive. is they just cry, right? Like, what a bunch <laughs> they, of women. They can't even stop you from just picking them up and moving them around. Okay, let's, let's, let's it's real fun, on. just switching them around, we're, you know? We're, we, we might be going to a dark place here. 
so anyway, Joyra, uh, as you might imagine, in an institute with a bunch of men who think they're the smartest, they're God's gift to Dominaria, Gaia's gift to Dominaria. Um, Joyra is a bit lonely because basically everyone that's around her is kind of an asshole. I don't think anyone on that island gives a shit about Gaia, I can tell you that much. Rude. She finds this handsome man uh, washed up from a shipwreck uh, and hides him in like a sea cave. Uh, But that man, Carrick, ends up being a Phyrexian sleeper agent. uh, And he ends up calling in a Phyrexian assault on Talaria. And Joyra is killed, unfortunately. And that's the last we ever heard of her. In that the, time. The, the last thing Joyra ever does is smash the retweet button on a meme that says he's a 10, but he's also a Phyrexian sleeper agent. <laughs> uh, so Karn, devastated that his only friend uh, is now dead, uses Urza's time machine to go back farther than he ever did before, which is really only a few hours. Uh, and rescue her, but in the process, by changing causality and stuff, let's uh, let's not talk about Ugin. We don't talk about Ugin here. Uh, by changing causality, <laughs> he ends up breaking time, uh, and all like time just shatters across the island. And there are these bubbles of time. Some where time is moving much faster. Some where time is moving much slower. Um, and Joyra is saved, but ends up getting uh, stranded on this island while Karn, Baron, and every uh, and everyone else are evacuated, except for Teferi. Teferi gets caught in a slow time bubble. He's remember Teferi's also like twelve, thirteen years old at this point, something like something that. something like that, yeah. Uh, and he is caught in a slow time bubble uh, with his robes caught on fire. Uh, and it's just like for years that fire is slowly creeping up his robes. For him, only moments pass though. Um, the Talarians eventually come back in a ship uh, aptly named New Talaria. The ship is named New Talaria because Urza is just creative like that. <laughs> and, is he though? Uh, when they land, they meet Joyra, who has gone full Swiss Family Robinson on the island. Uh, and she also hasn't aged a day. They, you know, they return like, I think it's like 12 to 20 years later, something like that. Um, and the reason she hasn't aged a day is because she's discovered that the water that comes out of these slow time bubbles, when she drinks it, actually slows her aging. And she learned that when another student who survived drank water from a fast time bubble, and he suddenly aged and died in seconds. It's not good. He has chosen poorly. <laughs> They also discovered that using mist from this water will let them, uh, like, equalize time as, like, um, almost like an airlock between these different time bubbles so they can go in and out. And You know, if an experiment needs a lot more time than subjective time would, than um, uh, objective time would allow, they can go into this uh, fast time bubble and work, you know, years on the inside when only months have gone on in the outside, that kind of thing. Uh, but you know who else has been trapped in one of these bubbles? The Phyrexians. Um, Carrick, now uh, Carrick with an apostrophe instead of an E, um, <clears throat> has taken over the Phyrexian assault force, started building his own. They've basically they've gone full Minecraft strip mining into the area covered by this fast time bubble. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's not strip mine, it's Grim Monolith. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what? And basically, the to get resources to, to build new Phyrexians 
it's like, what if Phyrexia was very, very limited in resources? Uh, was playing. What if Phyrexia was playing hardcore Minecraft survival mode? Uh, and he's trying to figure out a way to get through that time barrier uh, in order to assault um, assault uh, the Talarians. Um, during this time, Urza discovers this uh, little pendant that Joyra has is actually made out of Thran metal, which is incredibly valuable, something he could really use. Uh, and he learns it comes from this certain region in Shiv. And so when he goes there, uh, he ends up meeting these dragons. Uh, it's uh, Daragaz, uh, actually, it's Jerry Daragaz and Rami Daragaz. Uh, one of them is just Daragaz, the one we know and love, who's reincarnated a bunch, and the other is his mom. Uh, he ends up negotiating. Uh, they're also called fire drakes for some reason in this book. That was the only thing is like, all right, magic dis- is, is distinct on drakes and dragons and was even then, but we won't get into that. Um, he negotiates with uh, Viash- the Viashino who controlled the mana rig to be able to use it to produce Thran steel for weapons. Um, and of course, as will become a running theme, uh, he offers to trade them Karn for the use of the machine. Hey, but isn't that disrespectful to the person that he created? Yeah, he's not a super good dad to Karn. Let's put it like that. If that golem. But he was so good to Harbin by extending the war that his son grew up to then be a part of. So Joyra, Karn, and Teferi uh, end up uh, stationed on the mana reg. Karn, obviously, because uh, he will belong to the Viashino as soon as the Talarians are done with the Thran Forge. Uh, they end up using it to make artifacts, um, but the problem with Thran metal is it keeps growing. It has this weird property where the metal grows, uh, but it's super hard, uh, it's, it's a super dense, indestruct- almost indestructible substance. So he decides to design a, a warship out of it that would grow with living components to make the best use of this metal. I just don't understand how constantly growing metal would ever be optimal as an engineering material. Like, is it gonna? It's gonna screw up literally any design you put it in eventually. And that's basically Urza's problem with it as well. He needs other materials that'll grow at pace with it, uh, and in such a way that it doesn't, you know, screw something up. I don't know why you would look at like eternally growing metal and think to yourself. Man, I need to get this as close to Phyrexians as possible. Like this, <laughs> this can't possibly go bad. The 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 weather light is very much the anti Phyrexian design. It's kind of like the same kind of fusion of life and artifice, but not in the super fucked up way. Uh, so anyway, on a little mission exploring the area they were told not to explore uh, by the Viashino. Joyra, Karn, and Teferi discover that the mana rig has another function. Uh, it can make power stones. Whoa. And considering up until this point, Urza was still relying on recovered power stones, this makes a huge right? difference. So, like, I just... Just the imagine the mom the moment of Urza who literally strip mine an entire continent down to the bedrock looking for ancient power stones to fuel his world war... Suddenly discovering that, like, not even that much farther away on uh, across uh, the ocean, like, literally, I think, one of the closest continents to Tercier at the time, uh, is just a, mach- it's just a machine <laughs> that can just, like, crank these out like, like, uh, like Model T's. And uh, that must be really embarrassing for him, honestly. 
it's so easy. These <laughs> goblins who have like no a formal education can just do it. They're like, here, this uh-huh. is how it works. These are the goblins that are descended from the uh, the the enslaved goblins by the Thran. Uh huh. Yeah. So apparently, these goblins and the Viachino were at war. Uh, Urza ends up negotiating a peace between them, um, which is amazing because you know he tends to create wars, not stop them. Uh, and then he leaves them in charge. Uh, he leaves Joyra, Karn, and Teferi in charge while he goes to Yavamaya to find wood for his warship. So the Magnagoth trees are these massive, very strong trees in Yavamaya. It's what they're known for. He's like, oh, this would be perfect if I can get like living wood to grow and graft on this uh, Thran metal skeleton of a ship. I'll have this great warship. Uh, so he shows up and he's like, hey, can I have some wood? And Maltani is like, hey, uh, you're going to jail, buddy. <laughs> you got an open <laughs> warrant, buddy. Uh, Multani was right. <laughs> Multani, yeah, Multani is just like, first of all, let's remember that Multani just full-on captured a planeswalker uh, and tortured him for years, uh, and there was not a goddamn thing Urza could do about it. Uh, also, like, shout-out to Multani, so I guess spoiler alert for Time Spiral, shout-out to Multani for, like, closing a time rift. He's, I believe, yes. the only non-planeswalker to do so. Yep. Multani is the man. He's he's cool. I like Multani. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Multani imprisons Urza for years for his crimes against Argoth and forces him to basically feel the pain he caused to the plane like thousands of times or something <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, it's such a just punishment. Um, eventually, uh, Urza is able to convince Multani that the reason he did it is because the Phyrexians would have taken over uh, and they were even worse than he is. And this is basically a running theme with Urza. Is like he's like, look, I know I suck, but the Phyrexians suck even harder. <laughs> and they're and everyone's like, yes. worst person you know makes an excellent point. Yeah, it's it's the running theme of Urza would be the greatest villain in Dominaria's history if Yogmoth didn't exist. <laughs> So, uh, meanwhile, while Urza's imprisoned, Talaria ends up, is losing the war against these fast-time Phyrexians. Carrick has found a way to get uh, his Phyrexians to survive going through the time barrier, uh, and Talaria is losing the war because literally the fast-time Phyrexians can just throw the bodies back into the, back into the time bubble and they can be rebuilt and sent back up basically instantaneously. Uh, so once Urza's penance is complete, he convinces Multani to help uh, and together they wipe out the, um, these fast time Talarians. Uh, I should also note at one point uh, Urza tries to fight Karak himself, but ends up um, getting messed up from the, the time difference, like going through the time barrier. And Karn, like, jumps in like an utter badass and saves Urza's life, which, I mean, I guess. Good job, Karn. Karn is too good for this world. Karn, Karn is just too good. He's, he's precious. Uh, so in the aftermath of all this, Teferi returns home and becomes a royal mage of his home country of Zalfir. He's done with Urza at this point. Yeah, we, we, we talked uh, about Teferi a bunch uh, last week, two weeks ago. Whatever it was, last I think it was Amanda last week with with Amanda. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. He he goes back to Zalfir, and they're like, "Dude, you rock! Would you like to rebuild our entire society?" And he's like, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, he's got, yeah, I got nothing better going on, so sure. Uh, so in the aftermath, also, Urza builds the Weatherlight. Uh, Multani provides something called the Weather Seed, which is this um, basically like wood from the heart of Yavimaya that'll grow along with it. Uh, and the Weatherlight is born. Now, the Weatherlight also needs power in order to shift between planes, and it needs more power than Urza has power stones. So he ends up using the a mana rig to create a power stone that contain, can contain the amount of magical power energy uh the weather light would need to shift between planes and then planes walks with the weather light uh and a full crew to sarah's realm so what's happening in sarah's realm is the phyrexians sarah was right the phyrexians did find them and the realm itself is collapsing sarah has fled uh the archangel radiant is in charge and she's kind of a fascist so she's fallen for kind these phyrexian super agents bullshit well i was being polite um <laughs> Um, you don't need to be polite to fascists. I want to make that very clear to everyone listening to this podcast. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So in any case, um, with basically nothing left of the plane, uh, Urza, along with uh, the two Daragazes, uh, the Weatherlight, and uh, a few other allies go on a rescue mission, or Urza dubs it a rescue mission. It's not uh-huh. really a rescue mission. Uh, that's just a fun side effect. Uh, so the Weatherlight fills up with survivors from Sarah's realm, with angels and whoever else. Because uh, the Weatherlight can hold a lot of people. It can hold like a yeah. thousand people or something ridiculous. It's always kind of, it's like a magic, it's like the TARDIS, you know, like don't don't question how many people fit inside the Weatherlight. Uh, a lot. I'm I'm sitting here trying to figure out like what what's the what's the antonym of like collateral damage, uh, where <laughs> where you're doing he's on a mission to power this power stone, which we'll talk about in a sec. Um, and in the process, uh, just kind of like accidentally saves thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and like resettles an entire culture and religion on Dominaria. Um, he doesn't care about that though. Um, that is incidental. That was not the goal. Uh, so once everyone's evacuated, uh, Urza and Radiant have a battle where Radiant just she just destroys him. She kills him. Uh, she rip she like rips out his power stone eyes and kills him. Um, and I, that is there's actually art of her getting destroyed because she puts his power stone eyes together, which were originally one power stone. And when she does that, she unleashes this magical blast that destroys her, and Urza, like, poofs right back into life. Uh, so the lesson here is destroy Urza's power stone eyes if you want to kill him. Uh, do not try and put them back together. And that is more or less where we end. The Sarah's Realm refugees are being resettled uh, between, like, Zalfir and... Um, Benalia, although at the time Benalia was really hostile to them because they, so they had to hide. Uh, and that's where we end with time streams. And all that happened in like 50 years. So you you mentioned there's actually art of this happening to Radiant. I was like, when? Uh, it was on the... Uh, we the talked Modern about Horizons. it as a flavor gem. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Modern Horizons 2, the borderless art for Vindicate uh, has, has Radiant with the Might Stone and the Weak Stone exploding. I am the mad In her last one. words, yeah. Because she was calling Urza mad. And Urza's like, no, I think you're the mad one. And, um, you know, there's a little girl off to the side going, why not both? Uh, 
<laughs> so then we're moving on to Bloodline. Uh-huh. Hey, you thought Urza was bad before. <laughs> so Bloodlines, as the name might suggest, is a very eugenics-y book. Uh, it begins maybe 20-something years after time streams in 3385 AR. Uh, and it goes for, this is another long one, it goes for like 800, 900 years. Uh, because of time water, um, the slow time water, the Tolarians are able to live a very long time. You know, like Joy's still around and kicking it. Uh, and Urza puts a plan into motion or already has a plan in motion that maybe he hasn't shared with anyone yet uh, to eugenics up an army to fight Phyrexia. Because what better way to fight the Phyrexians than by using Phyrexian science to create kind of Phyrexians? Can't go wrong, right? It's it's fine. It's, there's nothing unethical about this. There's nothing immoral about this. Uh, there's nothing... Uh, scientifically risky about this. It's gonna go great, I think. I there are two. <laughs> there are two uh, projects under the Bloodlines project. There are the Metathran, uh, which uses Thran a Thran like eugenics matrix uh, to create these blue people. Why they're blue when the Thran weren't blue? I don't know. Oh, it's because they they because we didn't want Merfolk because they didn't have legs uh oh is that literal blue literal blue skin so that they could be the blue characteristic yes they're blue because they're blue raspberry flavored blue okay anyway so they're the metathran which are basically a slave race of soldiers that urza is going to create Hey, you've seen it you've seen attack of the clones same thing same thing yep and then uh, there are also the bloodlines, which are uh, the basically much more um, subtle genetic changes done to a genetic dynasty over time, which Urza may have already started and not told anybody about. We'll get to that in a second. Hey, you've seen Rise of Skywalker? Same thing, but also I'm sorry because that movie was bad. <laughs> uh oh god we're gonna get so many angry star wars fans anyway baron <laughs> ends up falling in love uh with a fellow researcher he meets while on vacation to a fast time vacations destination um on talaria where researchers go to rest so they can have like two months of vacation in a week or something which just sounds really nice though yeah it does they learn that Karn is actually starting to get like depressed or the artifact creature version of depressed because he can't forget anything or anything bad that's happened to him. Uh, so, of course, in order to fix that, they go with an engineering solution instead of a humanitarian one and they just cap his memories at 20 years because, you know, oh, the weight of history getting you down, buddy? Here, forget most of it. Uh, <laughs> That's a great plan. Uh, basically, Karn starts repeating his famous line now about how Joyra is my friend. He repeats that every night because, uh, you know, he might go 20-something years without seeing Karn, uh, without seeing Joyra. And so he wants to remind himself and look at her picture and make sure he never forgets. Anyway, there's this little... Um, uh, I've already used an, an F-bomb for this. There's All right, well, there's a little shit named Gotha who is like... He is the, he's the worst, he's like, 
the smart guy who was also a dick about being smarter than you that you remember from high school. Yeah, he's he hasn't changed. Um, that's Gotha. And he ends up uh, going a little farther with some of his genetic research than he's supposed to. Wow. What? He's would, still, would yeah. really... Would really would anyone really use eugenics to do unethical science? Certainly not someone going to the Larian Academy, right? Certainly. I'm gonna I'm gonna save my thoughts for eugenics for my final thought. Let's just let's get through this terrible, terrible storyline. So uh Gotha ends up leaving with a whole bunch of uh Talarian property, Talarian research on the bloodlines. Uh, and he needs to find a place where he will be safe from the Talarians. So he decides to go to the Keldons. Now we've talked about Keldons before. They are the they are Dominaria's fantasy barbarian people. Uh, and Gotha shows up, and he's like, "Hey, you know, how you guys are like strong and awesome and handsome. What if I made you more so?" Um, and some of the Keldons didn't buy it, but some some did. Uh, and so over the years, he starts enhancing these Keldons, and that's where you get the big gray Keldons from. Uh, and, you know, then once this family is super strong, and here's the, the, the problem with, genetic, uh, with eugenics, folks. Once this family is much stronger, smarter, and more handsome, then the other families are like, oh, well, now we have to do it so that our, our children can keep up with those children. One of the problems with eugenics, there, there are. Yeah, it's not the only problem with eugenics. It's not the only. <laughs> I should be clear, it's not the only one. So he uses, and over the generations, he creates these enhanced Keldons that end up being called Gothans. Uh, Karn, meanwhile, is once again traded away. This time to look over uh, one of the bloodlines in Benalia, a family called the Capuchins. So a particular branch of the Capuchins, uh, Urza creates an agreement with, and he basically lies he doesn't give them informed consent but he um he comes and says oh well you know i'm just gonna make sure your baby's okay and this and that and he starts arranging marriages to get optimal traits into the family uh and he does a little magical tinkering here and there to make like a perfect hero now he does this elsewhere as well but this is the only one we follow like Sisse is also a um captain Sisse of the weatherlight is also a product of this but we don't see like her family um this happened to her family uh karn is left to uh basically guard these capuchins over the years although he's occasionally pulled for other things um but meanwhile phyrexia has created wrath or possibly lefrak created wrath that's a whole fan theory thing we'll, 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 we can talk about that another time um but the phyrexians discover there's a hint of Phyrexian in, you know, they've been doing these little raids, testing out some overlay capabilities, discovering, you know, some of these normal people on Dominaria have a little bit of Phyrexian flavor to them. And they quickly figure out what Urza's doing and begin ruthlessly hunting down and slaughtering the bloodlines. Uh, basically, the Keldons hold off the best for a long time, uh, but a young baby named Gerard Capuchin uh, ends up being the last of his bloodline as the Phyrexians slaughter everyone else in the family who uh, had been manipulated by Urza over time. Uh, Raph and Danatha and their dad, uh, Aram, or, uh, or Aaron, I forget which one it is. I think it's Aram. Aram. They're from a different branch. 
Uh, so they're they're from a very different branch. Their family survives. Uh, it's a big it's a big dyna- family dynasty. Uh, <clears throat> Gotha uh, and his enhanced Keldons are basically uh, pushed back to this cliff. And Gotha realizes they're not here to kill him. The Frexians aren't here to kill him. They're here to, uh, they like what he's done to the Keldons. Uh, and they want to take his research and apply it to Frexians to make them even more powerful. Uh, and so he throws himself off a cliff. It's the only good thing he does is um, uh, make sure he is not captured by the Frexians. Oh, I, I was wrong. Uh, it is Aaron Capuchin. Aaron, is it Aaron? A-R-O-N. There's two. There is an Aram as well, and I think the Aram oh, is, is in there? this book. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that annoying? Ah. Uh, but basically, the story ends here with um, Karn escaping with a baby Gerard. Uh, Karn, who does not remember much about his history because of that 20-year memory cap, uh, he escapes with a baby Gerard and ends up fleeing to Zalfir. Um, which we will get to all of that when we talk about the Weatherlight Saga in very broad strokes. God, so yeah, that's the Urza saga. saga. A lot of this is, so what's neat about Urza Saga is uh, what they did is each color is a like story, different story arc through all of this. Um, the novel The Thran is sometimes lumped into the artifacts cycle because it was lumped into like the artifacts collection, but it was really more of like a prequel to the invasion block. Uh, it isn't represented in Urza's Saga. It came out after Urza's Saga. Uh, Urza's Saga was uh, the Brothers' War, Planeswalker, Time Streams, and Bloodlines, those storylines. And you can see each of those storylines. So I think in the third set of the block, you can see a lot of Bloodlines. You can see what... Um, What's going on with the Gothen Keldons in like red and black, maybe? Um, like Gotha is represented in black in his whole story arc. In addition to Davil, I, I skipped most of the Frexian stuff because there's Frexian politics going on here that ultimately don't matter um, when you get to the Weatherlight yeah. Saga because well, those characters I mean, are basically all dead. Also, largely our focus has been on Dominarian history, not Phyrexian yeah, history. Yeah. Yeah, when we do the 10-episode arc on Phyrexian history, we can go in more depth about it. I mean, you joke, but... <laughs> okay, so that's it. Shall we... I mean, we've we've gone for a while now. Shall we move on to final thoughts? Sure. Jay, you have to go first. <laughs> My final thought is that Gigabash is now out on PlayStation and Steam and Epic Store, and you should definitely get it. You should definitely play it. I love this game. It is so much fun. It is a kaiju fighting game. Uh, it's four players. If you remember Power Stone, it's a little bit Power Stone, a little bit Smash Brothers. It's very simple to pick up and play. Um, it's just so much fun to like be running around in like a mech suit trying to destroy your way through a city in order to fight this other mon these other monsters who are there in this like fast paced battle and then you turn on giga mode or whatever and you become like giant compared to these others and it's just it's a fun kaiju fighting game that we haven't had a really good one of those since like the Godzilla games back in the mid 2000s the ones from Pipeworks so the first one yeah yeah, no, this is so this game, if you liked those games at all, you will love this game because it really uh, the pace is excellent. Um, it is fairly simple to pick up and play. You know, it's Smash Brothers E where it's like uh, there are only so many like button combinations to do. And it's mostly just press this button or 
hold this button and press this button and those are your moves it's it's but it ends up being a lot of fun i've played so many battles of this with arjun um and we played it i had like um i was in the beta and stuff and we ended up falling in love with it then so i was so excited for this game to come out and is now out you should get it that's all i have to say i'm done i talk so much i need more water <laughs> uh my final thought is that I don't like the Wildlight Saga, and uh, if you listen to today's <gasps> episode, uh, you get a, a good idea of uh, why. So, like, the books are not... The, the whole Wildlight Saga is very critical of Urza for all the things he does. But also, like, yeah, I get being critical of Urza, and like, I'm glad the books are and don't cast him as a as a heroic figure. But also, at the same time, at a meta level, you are just following a narrative about a guy who goes around and does eugenics and makes a school of child soldiers, and it's just not great. It's just not great. Super duper not great. This is why we like Karn because Karn's a good bean. But uh yeah, I guess that's it. The new Whooper is cute. I like Wooper. Oh yeah, Wooper. Very cute. Yeah. On that that note of Wooper, um, I'm kind of salty that the uh the red legendary Pokemon does not use his wheel at all. Um, like he uses his, his paws. Like what's the point, man? Like if if you wanted to, <laughs> to to show that this thing is ancient instead of futuristic you could put like a tank tread or something there instead of a wheel and have him use that, but at least let him use it. Like the the wheel is older than a tank tread. Just so you the wheels like But if they wanted to show antiquity, invention. like most people would associate yeah. the like the the look of it as opposed to like the futuristic wheel of the, the blue uh, one. Hold, so, hold on. If you if you wanna show antiquity, instead of having a little wheel, it should be little Fred Flintstone feet. Yeah, that, that, yeah or that just like something just it's it, it bothers me that he has this huge wheel that just sticks out but does nothing and it just annoys me i'd rather it just be gone and then you you're, you're riding on him and his, his hands but for him to have that or for it to have this huge wheel that literally does nothing but look awkward really annoys the heck out of me and that's my final thought Oh, yeah, and the blue one looks freaking awesome, but I'm not getting it because I'm letting my fiancé get the blue version. <laughs> That's very smart of you. Arjun, Arjun wants Miradon. I want Corridon, so we're, we're simpatico there. He, I'm going to get Scarlet, and I'm going to get Violet for him because he doesn't have a job and can't get his own. Jay, he's like six years old. He gets whatever version you get him. You know, at six years old, he should be reassembling ornithopters. Yeah, also that. <laughs> Yeah. If he wants a Pokemon game, he can make one himself. Wow! Time for him to grow up. <laughs> he has. Though. He goes outside and they invent Pokemon games to play together with his buddies. It's adorable. Oh, so uh, I'm going to bring the mood down and just say, uh, "Fuck eugenics." Um, I, I really. My final thought is that uh, eugenics is bad. Uh, it's always <laughs> bad. It's never good. They're even even if you're using it to try and like I don't know save Dominaria, you, you, you're still bad. Uh, it doesn't work, uh, and it's it's very very not good. Um, the only thing Gotha did good was die, which is what Eugenia <laughs> should do. But uh, anyways, if you want more nuanced takes on this, uh, there is an incredible incredible video by Spice Hate Rack uh, about eugenics and Yogmoth and Urza too. 
Uh, it's very, very good. I'm going to just rewatch it tonight. I've rewatched it several times. It's one of my favorite pieces of media. Um, so, uh, yeah, eugenics is bad. Urza is bad. Urza's worst crime was not even necessarily the nuke. It was everything that came after it. So um, that's that's my little tiny rant. I, I hate eugenics. I hate people who practice it without even realizing it. Yeah, there's there's a narrative thread that has started. Uh, not, not I guess not. It's a thematic thread. Um, that is sort. It's sort of narrative, but it is also largely thematic. That is, uh, we'll, we'll talk. I'll, I'll talk about it next week. because uh, next week we're talking about the Phyrexian invasion, and and so there there's a thing that they do with Urza, and that uh, that comment about him almost being Dominaria's greatest villain is gonna be way way clearer next week uh you know if it wasn't already clear but uh <laughs> anyway uh if you also want to fund dominaria's greatest villains no i was gonna say if you also hate eugenics uh <laughs> which is a weird segue uh anyway if you like our show and, and you like this dominaria re- retrospective we've been doing uh getting you prepared for dominaria united a reminder again whose story starts this week on the 10th on wednesday it's very exciting um if you want to hang out with people who are going to read that story and talk about that story and have emotional opinions about that story you can head over to patreon.com slash the forthos cast uh because you can get access to our discord community from patreon uh everyone who supports us on patreon for even as little as a dollar a month gets access to our discord and uh we're about to head into really exciting times you got a week of story uh, i believe there's a world building panel type video thing happening uh and then preview star on i think the 18th uh, that Thursday, uh, when the when the story ends, and uh, just big exciting time. We're going back to Dominaria. This is a set steeped in history. There's going to be a lot of deep cuts, a lot of flavor gems, and so if you're newer to Magic uh, and you don't understand all the references, uh, we got you covered in the upcoming weeks. Uh, and we've got a, a great community of people who will. Uh, happily talk about the things they know and also learn things they don't know it's been uh it's been really great running the server so dominaria is going to be dominaria united is going to be all sunshine and rainbows let me tell you what lies anyway thank you all for listening (laughs) this has been the vorthos cast